The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark from the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning does come from St. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, and can be found on page 1570 in your pew Bible. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go. And sell everything that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source. The gospel that we just heard begins with as a man ran up and knelt before Jesus. And he asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit, the, inherit eternal life? And that's in Mark ten seventeen. And this is a question that is not foreign to any of us. It is a question that every human being asks. Now, what this man is really asking is a thinly veiled, or in his thinly veiled manner, it was this. What must I do to get ahead? And of course, Jesus, who is God, knows what is in this man's heart. Now, every baby, every child enters this world with the belief that he or she is the center of the universe. And for a short time, the world does seem to revolve and cater to every little whim that this baby has. 
for example, the slightest squawk from the baby, and then comes running someone, oftentimes a mom, and they scramble to care for that baby's every need, its every desire. And for a brief moment in time as infants, we all believed that we were the most important person in this universe. We thought that we were the sum total of why the universe was here. But then we grow up. Well, some of us do. And then we learn that other people have rights. Well, at least some of us realize it. And we learn that some of us do share. And we learn, well, at least some of us do, to take our turn. And we learn to stand in line. And we learn that not only are we not the most important person in the universe, but we are not even the most important person in our own home. We begin to learn that there are rules that govern the way that we should live. And it doesn't take long to figure out that some rules will help us get ahead. For example, the right education will help you get a better job. The right investments will produce a better portfolio. The right friends will open up new opportunities, and so on and so on. And at some point in time, we begin to wonder if there isn't some sort of rule that will get us ahead indefinitely. Some technique that will ensure that we always win, that we always come out on top. And we begin to search for the key to happiness, to health, to wealth, for wisdom, and so forth. And naturally, there are thousands of authors in the self-help section of Amazon.com who would be more than happy to share the key to success with you for only $18.95, plus shipping and tax, except if you're a Prime member, shipping's free. The fact that there are so many books in the self-help section indicates that no one really has the secret to success. And even if there was help for you in a book or a seminar or some other program, it would not be enough. Now, it was on the internet, so it must be true, right? Okay. Well, someone supposedly asked John D. Rockefeller, how much is enough? And he replied, just a little bit more. Now, Again, whether he said it or not, it really does reflect the desires of our inborn sinful nature. 
We are always on the lookout for the magic formula that will give us an advantage, a magic formula that will give us just a little bit more. The man who came to Jesus seemed to want a little bit more. He wanted a little bit more assurance of his salvation. He had done everything that he could do and to think of to guarantee his salvation. But he wasn't really sure. He he wasn't sure if he had all the bases covered. Was there one more technique that would give him confidence? Would one more bit of self-help Give him that confidence that he needed to live in victory? Perhaps, maybe, Jesus had that one gimmick that would ensure his salvation forever. So he asked. He asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Tracy and I, and some of you, have been heirs of a will. And I can guarantee you that it was nothing that we did that made us heirs of those wills. We were heirs of the wills because someone else wrote us into the wills. We had nothing to do with it. And so when the man came to Jesus and talked about doing something to inherit something, he showed a basic lack of understanding about his salvation. And Jesus showed love for this man by showing him the reality of his situation And the reality is that there is nothing the man could do to earn salvation. And Jesus began by reminding the man that only God is good enough to provide salvation. And Jesus said to the man, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone, Mark 10, 18. And at this point, the man should have stopped. He should have stopped to think, If only God is good, and I am not God, then I cannot be good. And then Jesus reviewed the commandments that deal with loving the neighbor. And he said, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud and honor your father and mother. And at this point, the man should have realized that he did not love his neighbor as he loved himself. He should have come to understand that he could not possibly do anything to earn salvation. But he didn't get it. Instead, he said to Jesus, Teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. That's Pinocchio. That's you, that's me. When we say that we are 
without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So he demonstrated his basic lack of understanding about his salvation. He deluded himself into thinking that he had kept these commandments perfectly. And it is at this point that the Holy Spirit inspired Mark to remind us this, that Jesus loved this man. Did you catch that? Well, the Greek in the New Testament to describe love, there's four Greek words that are used to describe different types of love in the New Testament. In, in all of Greek, I think there's something like nine, and no, I cannot recount them. But in the New Testament, we hear uh, loved words like storge, which is a familial love. Then we hear uh, uh, philia, or philia, like Philadelphia, okay? Brotherly love, that's why it's called that, a brotherly love. Eros, that's a romantic love between a spouse, spouses. And then there's agape. And agape love is selfless love, all-encompassing love. Love that seeks the best for all people. And so, when we read our translation that Jesus loved him, Jesus agape him. Jesus looked at him wanting the best for him. The way in which we are to love, but the way in only which God can love. And Jesus loved him enough to tell him the truth about his condition. Jesus, looking at him, it's recorded, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And Jesus set up a condition that forced this man to realize that he loved his wealth more than he loved God. And so how did the man respond? Well, you heard it. He was disheartened by the saying. He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And the man's possessions were literally more important to him than his own salvation. This man's possessions were his little G God. Is there anything that Jesus would ask you that would cause you to be disheartened and walk away sorrowful? Is there a little g-god in your life that are important to you? Are there, is it financial security? Is it family? Friends? Happiness? <laughs> getting my, I mean, getting your own way? Your reputation among your peers, is that a little G-God? 
You know, Reformation Sunday is coming up. It's uh, actually the 31st is on a Sunday. And we will be singing a mighty fortress. And in that hymn, we say, And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, Though these all be gone, our victory has been won. Could you really surrender your life, your goods, your fame, your child, or your spouse? Our gospel tells us that Jesus loved this man. He agape this man. And agape love gives people what they need. And often that means that it does not give people what they want. Jesus told this man that, well, he told him exactly what he needed to hear, not what he wanted to hear. And this man needed to learn the hopelessness of his situation. He needed to learn that he could not save himself. He needed to understand that he needed a savior outside of himself. That is how Jesus showed his love to this man. And even so, it meant that the man would walk away sorrowful. Jesus loves us the same way. He sends the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. And the Holy Spirit comes to us through the proclamation of the Word of God in order to shine that searing light of law into our hearts. He shows our true nature to us. He takes us to the depths of pure terror as he shows us the future that we have earned for ourselves. He shows us the true hopelessness of our good works. And it is only after we begin to understand that our hopelessness of our own works, that our Holy Spirit points to the one who actually did surrender everything, and that's Jesus Christ. God's only begotten son. You remember that he surrendered surrendered his throne at God the Father's right hand and that he took up our human flesh and as a human being, he lived in poverty. Even though he is the author of the law, he lived under that law. You see, Jesus surrendered everything. He surrendered his life. And when he died, he did not even have the clothes on his back. He was pinned to a cross, naked. And we know that because it says in Scripture, they crucified him and they divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. Mark 15, 24. Jesus surrendered himself so that you and I would inherit eternal life. 
And it is not what I do that inherits eternal life. It is what Jesus has already done. And we inherit eternal life because Jesus made us heirs in his will, his last will and testament. By the promise of his word and the seal of his blood on the cross, we have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. And Jesus Christ himself demonstrated the inheritance that he offers to all people by rising from the dead. In his resurrection, we have the promise that he will raise all the dead and give eternal life to all who believe in him. And Jesus has named an executor to his estate. And that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works through the gospel to deliver the inheritance of eternal life. The Holy Spirit also works through the gospel to establish the faith that receives the inheritance of eternal life. And that through faith, we constantly receive forgiveness of our sins. And God the Father declares us holy in his eyes. And we stop asking the question, what must I do to, et to inherit eternal life? We don't ask that question. Instead, the question that the Holy Spirit uses to point us to Jesus and declare, look at what God has done to give me eternal life. We who believe already have an inheritance unto eternal life. But when the time comes for us to leave this life, we will experience our inheritance more fully as members of the church triumphant in heaven. And there in heaven we shall leave our sins behind and live under Jesus in his kingdom. And there we shall wait with Jesus for the last day when Jesus will raise our bodies to immortality. And we shall once again be complete in body and spirit and serve him in everlasting righteousness, in innocence and blessedness just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. In the name of Jesus. Amen.